So today, turn your Bibles this day. Uh, the Lord has blessed us with today the Gospel of Jude. If you don't know where Jude is, it's, a, it's the next to last book of the Bible, right next to Revelation. And it's a short book, and it's a powerful book, okay? Written by Jesus' brother, Jude, who's also a brother of James, old camel knees, on his knees praying all the time. So it's, um, ain't that funny how Jesus' brothers didn't become powerful in the Word after his death? See, Jesus' brothers knew he was Messiah. They've been taught all their life he was Messiah. They didn't actually realize that until he was actually suffered the cross, was buried and resurrected. Then they became powerful in their witness, powerful in the working of the church, missionaries. And actually, all the disciples were that way. See, they didn't become powerful until the Holy Ghost came upon them at Pentecost. And then they received all the power. That's right. So I'm going to be reading in June, uh, in the Gospel of Jude. And I'm going to be um, starting with 14. No, I'm going to be actually starting with 17. I'm sorry, but I'll, I'll probably give you the wrong. Starting with 17. But all this is up, coming up to the point where Jude has a warning for us about people coming in the end times, Christ spirit being here, and people coming uh, and having lust after their own persons. And we've seen that in our nation. And the last 10 years, it's multiplied 100 times. We've seen people do things that glorifies themselves, and they don't care what happens to other people. We've seen that with Enron started a big thing with got took people to run off with all the money, and just it's been staggering since then. People taking people's money. They don't care if it's their life insurance. They didn't care if it's their retirement. They just stole money from people, and they're gonna run off and use it like they want to. They think about number one themselves. We've seen that a thousand times over in a world outside of us. And that's the way they do. We see people that, that monopolize people just on retirement in Houston, Texas. We've seen that a thousand times with somebody with scams, and they're going to come replace their air condition. they got vouchers. All I need is a $250 holding fee and never see the person ever again. We've seen that people manipulating people, manipulating this for their own self-sacrifice on selfish desires for self. And that's... Uh, don't be surprised about that. It's going to get more and more of that as the end time comes. We're in that last chapter, folks. We've read the end of the book. We know how it turns out, okay? We win. We win. Amen? We win. So, so Judah's telling us again, just to be faithful in your walk with Christ. Be faithful to one another in the name of Jesus. You're going to have people that you work with, co-workers. You're going to have people that have known you for years, and you've known them since childhood maybe, and all of a sudden they just fall away. And you don't know why they fall away. But this wickedness has been in them since the beginning. And they tell you they were brothers and sisters in Christ, and they were not. They were never part of the faith. And they're going to fall away. That's part of the apostasy of the church. And so you don't let it mess your life up when things like this happen. Because God said, I'm going to plant the tares right with the wheat. And say, they grow up together. They go to church together. But tares have no seed in them to produce other fruit. They do not have the Holy Spirit of God in them. And that's what we're going to talk about today. But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How they told you there would be mockers in the last time who walk after their own lust and ungodly uh, trust. These will be ones who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. We see that today, and a lot of people will tell you today that. They have to live like hell during the week in the business world, but they, they polish up real good for Sunday. See, God gets them right on Sunday. If God can't get you right on Monday, you're not his. I'll put it that way. You should, you're his 
seven days a week, 24-7, or you're not his at all. It's just like you can't be a 99% Christian. You'll still bust his hell wide open. 99 cent for Jesus is not going to hack it, folks. You've got to be sold out to Jesus to be his. And that's what he's saying here. These people here have never sold out to Jesus. They still have this wicked, lost, worldly spirit in them, carnal spirit. And we bow that as Christians. We still fall. I know there ain't no perfect person here, including the pastor. We still fall. But see, when we fall, we feel guilty of that sin, okay? We feel guilt when we get right to the Lord and he forgives us. The lost world has no conviction, folks. No conviction. They may, they may feel bad about getting caught, but they don't have any conviction. They sin against God. See? And that's where the, that's where the big, great divide is right there. Those are covered by the blood of Jesus. Anyone who separates himself sensually, not having the spirit, and just following the earthly spirit, a carnal spirit. They're not saved or lost. But he says here, and this is, this is where the change comes. He says, but ye, beloved, that's the ones in Christ, building up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Folks, if you ain't praying in the Holy Ghost, you're not praying, okay? The Holy Ghost gives us the words to intercede for us to the mercy of Christ Jesus. So when you pray, you automatically pray through the Holy Spirit. He interprets our prayers. And Christians pray through the Holy Spirit. And any other prayer prayed is in vain if it's not prayed in the Spirit of the Holy Ghost. That's why we always say at the end of the prayer, in Jesus' name, we pray. It's got to be in Jesus' name. Jesus, Father, and the Holy Ghost, the Holy Trinity is all in one. See, God in three persons. And that has to be part of our prayer. And here he's telling people to pray in the, in the power of the Holy Ghost. That means gives us our girding power, where we gird up and where we stand for what's right. That's what he's telling us. We have to be prayed up in the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he says to keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ and to eternal life. And some have compassion, making a difference, and others say with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. That means even the sins in their life are the spot the flesh to keep us from living victoriously. It said to tackle them so hard you knock it off of them. Now, I used to have a guy I used to work with the Hydra on Randy Power, the Henson brothers, Robert and Gary Henson. But they was always walking around and getting a new tattoo and they'd roll their sleeve up and show it. And they thought, thought they was real tough guys. And, and I remember I told Robert one day, he come walking up and said, Why ain't you got you any tattoos? And I said, Well, I ain't got tough enough yet, but I'll see what I can do. I can hit you so hard and knock that tattoo off your body. And he never forgot that. I still see him. He still tells me that. Because <laughs> I said, I'll hit you so hard and knock come back in Monday and pick those tattoos up. <laughs> but see, he was, he, that's how hard we had to hit loss, hit the sin. See, hard enough to knock it in the dirt. Okay? And that's what he's saying here. Some, some we can have compassion. Some we minister to in the love of Christ and the grace of Christ. And he says, some, you get them in a the headlock and pull them right from the gates of hell like you're pulling them from a fire. Like a fireman pulls somebody from a fire. Now, folks, I will never forget. I had to pull a body from a fire one time. I'll never forget today I can still smell the smell of that burning flesh in my nose. And that is nothing fun to do. But see, when I got through that fire, my brother-in-law helped save one. Two died in the fire, but we helped save one from the fire. And I don't think, if we wouldn't have been there, they'd have been all three perished. But one was saved from the fire, and the bottom of his feet was burnt real bad. It's, I mean, it was like fried chicken under there, just 
curled up, and man, his toes were cooked. But he had, he's trying to go back in and save his family, and they're already perished. But one out of three folks survived. But yet he has a memory of his whole life of being pulled from the fire. Pulled from the fire, and I imagine to this day he still has trouble with his feet. But wouldn't it you rather be saved compassionately? Amen. Wouldn't you rather save someone else compassionately? To be a friend of them, to get them into the grace of God, and to usher them in right to the mercy of Christ, where they don't have to be one that's pulled by the skin of their teeth, in other words. But they're graciously ministered to, like most of us were. And we accepted the Lord Jesus at a young age, and he called us, and he's hedged us all this time in his love, than to be pulled from hell's gates. And see, folks, some have to be pulled that way. In other words, what he's telling us here is some we can say with compassion, bring them to Christ Jesus, and some we have to drag them. And then what he's saying here is you don't give up on them. He's not saying actually go and hit them and put them in a tattoo, hit them, tase them, and then bring them to church. See, he's saying... He's saying, but you don't give up ministering to him. You're very, very fervent, and you're very, very consistent. I remember a while back, this boxer was being interviewed, and he's talking about Sugar Ray Robinson, and, and a guy that just got uh, lost the fight to Sugar Ray, but most people did lose the fight to him. He said, well, he has no punching power. He said, he don't really hit you that hard. And he goes, what makes this guy so successful? He said, because he's in your face several times around. <laughs> and each round, he hits you many times. He don't miss, in other words. He's consistent. That's where we're to be in our walk, folks. Consistent in prayer. Consistent in ministering to the people we know that are hurting. Just be consistent with them. And see, when you're consistent with them, eventually that wears through to their heart. And you kind of rub that callus off their heart and get into the heart of hearts where they need to be ministered to. But that consistency there and that endurance, like an athlete has, like a boxer has, keeps us pressing on, as Apostle Paul says. And when we get to them, then they'll know the heart of hearts that they've sinned against God. Then they'll repent and they'll become part of the family of God. And that's what we're to do, though. We're not to, I think the world has seen enough of both sides some preachers say, well, you don't have to repent or anything to come to the Lord. Just come as you are and keep living like you are, and he'll change you. Wrong. Then they've seen the other side where people point their finger, you're headed for hell. You know what I mean? They've seen both sides. So what's a, what's a happy medium there? Well, first, you have compassion and minister to them in grace. Yes. Then if that don't flip their beck, <laughs> you continue to minister to them, and you get every wave that comes to them, you beef it up a little bit, okay? And they may tell you at the end, man, get away from me. I don't want to hear none of your junk. Get away out of my face. And that's fine. But see, you've planted the seeds in them, okay? You've already planted the seeds. And God may send someone else to water it. Continue to water it. Continue to make that seed fertile. You may not bring them right to Jesus. That's okay. We're just vessels used by God. Some of my other brother or sister may bring them to Jesus. But you've already planted the seed, and you're still praying for them fervently. You're still hitting them right on the chin every time, okay? And then one day, when I was in the prison in the prison ministry here in Conroe, sometime it took 10 years for those guys to come to Christ. That's a long time because I only preached to them once a week. But see, that seed was in them still. When they come to Jesus, and they get several guys in that room to come to Jesus too because they see that it worked on them. Now, I'm just a mouth coming and preaching the word, right? They seen it worked in their life, and that made a big difference, see? And they can help the other guys through that. So that's what he's saying here is the garment spotted by sin, everything removed. 
Now to him that is able to keep you from falling, present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Folks, not only we're going to have exceeding joy, but our Lord Jesus is going to have exceeding joy. And I want you to know that Jesus Christ, our Lord, was not this sober guy frowning on his face that you see in a lot of uh, places with pictures where he's frowning, got a little ring of fire, a little angel thing over his head, which you see in a lot of portraits of. This man was full of joy. He, he also walked with sinners, ate with sinners, ate with people who were lame, blind, healed them, got down the dirt with them, got down them fishing boats with them disciples. But he was full of grace, folks, full of mercy, and all the healing power of the world was in him. So you remember him as full of joy. Even in the midst of sorrow, he was full of joy. And he's going to be even more exceedingly joyful when we're gathered together with him. And we're going to be joyful. And ain't going to be anything but 100% pure joy there, folks. You couldn't be bad if you wanted to. You couldn't be sad if you wanted to. You couldn't be bored if you wanted to. Because you're going to be, any, anything coming out of you is going to be sprinkled with joy. 100% pure joy. And then he presents us in the presence of Almighty God. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Does God have to, have to know that? He already knows it. He knows exactly who he is. Does he like to hear us say that? Yes, he does. That's why we sing praises to him. Yeah. The only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty and dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Now, folks, he is Lord Jesus. He is Lord of Lords and King of Kings, and that's forever and ever. And that's forever, forever is a long time. And I tell folks every day that we suffer here on earth for a short while. But in our suffering, as the Apostle Paul said, if nothing compared to what the glory we'll receive, we go to be with our Lord Jesus. Our suffering here is in different, different uh, sections and different lives. It's different in other lives of people. It's in different intervals as we go through our life. But he gives us the grace that we need to always get through our suffering. And it builds us up in time. It makes us stronger in the Lord as we go through this suffering. It always helps us to minister to someone else. And see, what I, what I see here, God knows it's not all about us. So we think it's about us. It's like we said, that song said, I was always being number one, looking after myself. But God helps us see it's not all about just us. When he's ministering to us and we're going through trials, it's not all about us, see, because God's ministering to several people at one time through this. We're just part of the picture. But God is ministering. His overarching theme is ministering to many people. See, when God sent Jonah to Nineveh, he wasn't ministering to Jonah. Y'all notice that? He's ministering to the people that were wicked and were headed for hell. You get, and you've you seen Jonah when he got mad when God had the people repent of their sins. And Jonah said, I didn't want them to. I wanted you to send fire and fathom and tidal waves and destroy them. I don't like them. <laughs> you know? He got actually jealous of them. But God was said, oh, my ways are different than yours, Jonah. Say, you're my, you're my mouthpiece. You're going to tell them repent and trust the Lord. And they did. And I'll do the rest of the work. Say, he used him. And that's sometimes we have as Christians going, well, Lord, man, that guy, he repented, got saved, and he's got his own ministry now. He got 500 people going to church over there, and why didn't you bless me like that? I'm still over here in this little corner. See? I'm still going to the bear joint, passing out tracks. See? They said, because that's the ministry I called him to, and your ministry, and you help him come to me. See? So you're part of that ministry. 
But it says, not all about you. It's about my son, the Lord Jesus, the one that we're going to give praise to forever and ever and ever in heaven. That's what it's all about, doing his work, being obedient to his command. Now, I'm glad you asked me about it. You look like a little cab looking at a new gate when I said that. Going to saloons. Because this man, I'm going to close with this man that went to saloons and preached the word of God. This is back, way back in the 1800s when it wasn't real popular to go to saloons and start preaching. They either shot you four or five times a piece, you know. So, but these brothers, John Wesley and Charles Wesley, didn't care. They shot back. They were tough dudes, okay? And they presented the God. They shut bars and saloons down when they came to town. And they said, everybody meet outside. Under They started the tent revivals, okay? And they shut places down when they came to town. Said, everybody's going to hear the sermon. And they were traveling on horseback. Imagine that looked a lot like a white herb. See? And the old pictures I have of them, they did look. The big handlebar mustache, they looked wild. And they preached the word of God. And they didn't make any apologies for it. And many people were saved through their preaching. But John Wesley said this. He said, to do all the good you can by all the means you can and all the ways you can and all the places you can and all the times you can to all the people you can as long as you can. That's what he's one of his favorite, famous sayings. And if you live by that, you can't go wrong. Because the only way a person can live that way is have the power of the Holy Spirit in them. Because you cannot even get halfway through this without the power of the Holy Spirit. Because you'll get mad at folks, you get fed up with them when you do one thing for them and they don't recognize you for helping them. That carnal way will start coming back in you. See? Because you have people, when you heal 10, want to come back and thank you. Other nine's gone, screaming and hollering, running back to town, see? And Jesus knew that. That's why he gave that example to us in his word. Where's the other nine? I healed, I healed 10, and one comes back to thank me. He's not even in my community, okay? <laughs> See, because he knew we had that. So he knew that this is a very good goal for us Christians to shoot for daily in our lives, is remember, to do all you can through the power of the Holy Spirit, not in your power, but through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And that's where the power comes in, folks. That's where the power for living and that's why he tells us that others have compassion making a difference. And he says, some we have to say with fear. Now, I want to put it this way. We still have reverence for God and God's word. We have a fear of God which compels us, folks, knowing who he is. And there's a, there's a great writer one time, that, that a great preacher that wrote, that we're like a spider hanging from hell by one web. And God in his sovereignty can any time just go plink and we're in hell forever. And he says, oh, he says, oh, the grace that God give us, folks. Because he can thump us at any time. It's like he did when he sent the great flood and destroyed everybody on earth but eight people. Everybody, millions of folks drowned. But yet he left a remnant there by this chain of grace. And today, folks, we're a remnant. In this big old sea of lost people, we're a remnant of his people, still sending the light, spreading the word, and ministering to people. And that remnant, he will always bless. He will always bless the remnant. As long as we give him the glory and the honor for that, it comes from him, not us. That's what he's telling us today, folks. Do all the good you can, but you got to take the right one with you when you do it. That's the Holy Spirit of God. He has to be 
in control. He has to be in the driver's seat, folks, not us. He's in the driver's seat. We follow him. Because we don't go wrong when we follow him. We only go wrong when we get off on our own things that we think is right. In our own way of thinking. And he says, I will never guide you wrong. And you actually let him be your thinking cap. And you can't go wrong. The word of God. And it doesn't come back to him void, folks. Never comes back to him void. Remember that we'll be much stronger Christians and much powerful people in the Lord. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this time you've given us today, Lord. And Father, I hope each person here today received a word of encouragement not to give up on folks, Lord. We have people we think that don't even listen to us, and they may even, even voice that, Father, but we know that when they're alone in their quiet time, Father, they're alone and they're hurting in despair. They remember the words that you give our voice and our lips to tell them. And then them take deep roots, Father, those words in their heart will bring them, Father, back to you. So we give you the praise and all the glory, Father, for his using us as your vessels to reach those who are hurting, Father, in need. And, Father, we give you all the praise and all the glory for this day. Father, in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.